This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Weekends with Walshy starts now. Hello there. Welcome to you wherever you're listening. This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition, aka Weekends with Walshy. As that guy said, my name is Peter Gowers and uh, I'd like to introduce now our special guest, all the way from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, the only man to be banned to attend press conferences by governments in two continents, Mr. <laughs> Christopher Walsh. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, Pete. Yeah, you're right. That's right. I, I forgot about that. And they're from two separate political spectrums as well. I know, so I, I know. I'll wear that with a badge of honor. That's exactly right. Because when you hate, you hate even. <laughs> There's no hate. It's just that, uh, know, you know, I, I want to see improvement here. I want the, the jurisdictions I'm in to be run as properly as, as they should be and that everyone's safe and the corruption doesn't happen. And when it does, it's called out, rooted out, and dealt with. Mm. And um, anyway, that's not happening in this place, that's for sure. Well, look, I mean, I guess to some degree, and we'll get into it, but. Some of it isn't that we're exposing still. Some of mm-hmm. it is that the ICAC's superficially kind of exposing in this level yeah. of we don't really know what he's doing. Um, but he's, he's done something, but he can't tell you what exactly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, look, this is uh, this is the NT as it is and the failure of our Lord 2023. <laughs> it is. And when I say things like what I said, um, the it, you know this, but I say this for the benefit of of anyone listening who may be thinking, "Oh, is he telling the truth?" Or the the great irony is, it's so tongue in cheek, it's not funny. It's not a matter of hating. It's just yeah. a matter of you you literally can't believe what unfolds week after week. It's just <laughs> astounding. Man, I know, and 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 it was crazy this week too, right? Like I gotta say this about Parliament again. And I'm really getting annoyed, and I got to get in touch with Ben Smee about this. But again, this week, and apparently the other night, it went wild in there. I was home eating dinner, um, getting my my kid ready for bed, and uh, they were still rambling on. But what they got into in Parliament was who's worse, um, Labour or the CLP? And they brought up Crocs in the cabinet again. And I and I think like last time they read like the the da- the the jacket covered kind of blurb about it but i think they went into like the chapters and started reading stuff this time i was told and you know i'm just getting tired of that stuff because yeah i mean they, they keep using that right and it's like the, the yeah that clp government was bad the one that we ben smee and i documented in crocs in the cabinet they were terrible um this government is just as bad if not worse i think they're worse they're more mean more malicious than than that clp was they were a bunch of clowns jokers these guys there's something really dark going on behind the scenes with these guys and they're you know they're deranged to to some extent and we've seen that in parliament but they, they continue to use crocs in the cabinet as some sort of um you know Michael Gunner missed the whole takeaway from Crocs in the cabinet. The whole takeaway wasn't this. When he gave it to everybody who came in and was elected in 2016, he gave them all a copy. And he said, this is true. And disunity is death of politics. So don't ever go against me or else we're all going to be out of jobs. <laughs> that, that was not the takeaway. Crocs in the cabinet, yeah. if you read it, was about a selfish, self-serving government made up of people who were only interested in themselves at the expense of territorians. They wanted to improve their own lives, and they just did not care about territorians or making the territory a better place. And they got consumed in their own 
personal struggles or challenges, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the ambitions um, where you saw all these leadership challenges and stuff. And it was all at the expense of territorial. So the territory was yeah. bad then. But if we compare it now, uh, seven years since Labor's got them, we're in a way, way, way worse position now than we were even back in the worst days of that Giles CLP government. So I just, I just, I get, I feel a bit sick in my stomach when I hear um, them going on and waving that book around and going through. And plus, there's nobody in that parliament right now on the CLP side who was involved with that except for Leah yeah. Finacchiaro. Um, and she was like a backbencher at the time. She didn't hold portfolio. So it's hard to hold her responsible. I mean, she's got her own problems and she's got herself into her own problems, as we've talked about here and the leadership issues that have arisen there. But, uh, you know, just for the government to, to not, we saw last week where they shut down Robin Lamley when she started to go into some of their scandals and some of what they're doing, but then they want to go back to Crocs in the cabinet. And, you know, like, and that's just the irony of it all too. Like files is saying like, Oh, everyone should go read Crocs in the cabinet. It's like, but nobody still, nobody's got up and said, Okay, if you love Crocs in the cabinet so much, why don't you let its co-author into your press conferences? I I don't understand how nobody would say that to them. But she continues to wave the book around and yet won't let me in because she doesn't want me to document any further how chaotic and crazy this labor government is, especially under her watch. Oh, man, I honestly think that these people will be living the, reliving that stuff. I told my wife that the other night. I said, I think they're going to be like, even when they're really old and decrepit, the, it'll still be playing in their head what happened in that Giles CLP, uh, Terry Mills government from 2012 to 2016. They are so caught back in 2016. Yeah. But, you know, to some degree, like we said, CLP is too. We talked about their budget reply speech and their plan for, you know, restoring yeah, yeah. law and order. These are old ideas that were from back in 2012. So. They just blasted off the previously used files, didn't they? Yeah, it was it was bad. They're showing no no insight here, no um, yeah. vision for how we got to fix this place because those old ideas aren't going to work. But also, a government, I guess, that stays in power long enough will eventually get back to what that. But they only did it one term, I guess. That is impressive. The CLP jobs, like, <laughs> but these guys, like, I mean, they were like on their way out after one term as well. But then they got another term, and like I said, man, the the longer that they stay in power, uh, the more is revealed about really how Darwin and the NT operates. And and yeah. I know I'm being a little cryptic about that, but you just get a sense that everybody in labor in the red shirt cult there has these secrets. And they're starting to come to the surface the, the, the longer that they're in power and we start to see where the damage is and why, you know, and, and it's like a collective trauma almost. Yeah. That, like, that, you know, that explains maybe why they don't even pick up on things that the rest of us do the territorians do they're in like some other uh, world where you know where reality doesn't exist the same to them and um it's really problematic but it explains why they would like cover up for a, a child rapist like count row mm-hmm. like and they, and they yeah. still never like has dawned on them the seriousness or the gravity of that and you know all kinds of other issues and we'll get into things that are going on this week and how they get up in parliament and think that they can talk mm-hmm. in this aggressive way that it's completely unprofessional. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah, that's my little <laughs> rant about that. But Parliament, I got to tell you, like this week they had nothing. They had no agenda. So it was just them yep. talking shit for the whole thing. And they're still going your book. Yeah, and it's late now and they're still going on and just throwing garbage at each other. And I think at one point, 
um, Joe Hersey got up and pointed at, at Manuel Brown and said, he killed my friend. And, oh, wow. um, like, really? Yeah, you know, like it's, yeah, I've been trying to get through that. For some reason, Hansard was that, enough. Is that an official that. statement or was that part of question time? How no, no, it? it was part of like some debate had gone late into the evening and she yeah. she got frustrated and yelled that because she apparently knew the the woman that um, the Manuel Brown killed in his car in 2009. And uh, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see where, where that kind of goes, but that's the kind of, situation we're in and look that'll be another scandal in crocs in the cabinet part two which will be all yeah. about labor if it's if it gets written would be and it will in some form or another i'll do something but yeah. um it's already being written each way yeah it really is and you know when me and ben did that that was the the benefit that we had that we had reported it all in the nt news yeah. over those four years so we, we just went back and started connecting things together and seeing what was going on behind the scenes and you can kind of do that now and this government is very much this labor government falling apart the way that CLP government was near the end. And it's just starting to get to them in the scandals and we said scandal play government. We've got another one here, right? And, the, and they're not right. getting, they're losing credibility still people. Nobody's listening to files. I don't think anybody cares when she goes on, you know, Joe Laverty on ABC or on Katie Wolf. No one's listening anymore. They just tune her out because they know she's going to lie and she's not going to be real with them. And you get to that point. Yeah. It's not coming back. What's really interesting, Chris, is that um, I didn't go looking for it, but I came across a um, one of the. I won't say which one, I, and I, I will. I will preface what I'm about to say by saying I'm not going to go into the detail of what I read because I personally don't think it should have been posted. But mm. long story short, I was on a community page, one of the Darwin community pages, and somebody had posted in graphic detail, what actually happened to the young Bangladeshi fellow uh, a few weeks ago when, when he was murdered, or allegedly murdered, I think you have to say, don't you? Yeah, but, well, yeah, but he was stabbed, or he was bashed to death. We know that. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah, well, the, 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 the person posted in great detail as to exactly what had happened and almost sort of timelined that evening, which, again... I don't know how they knew. They said that they knew someone close to the case and that was the only sort of um, qualification they gave. Yeah. But what was really interesting was all of the comments. And that yeah. was, to a man, it was, well, it doesn't matter anyway because Files is going to lie about it. And and mm. that's the reputation she now has. Yeah. And what I find really interesting is how that's going to equate when it comes to polling next year because – They've got a decent lead. We know that. We we know that they've parachuted um, Brent Potter into Fanny Bay to, <laughs> to take over that um, seat. We know that they've managed to win three by-elections uh, whilst in government, which is unheard impossible. of. Yeah, unheard of. Crazy. Yeah. And and we know that they that they naturally get the what they call the northern suburbs block of of NT public servants. Mm. There was a few comments in this um, social media commentary that I read saying, oh, well, we'll all get our say at the next election. And I was thinking, well, you will, but it, it may not make any difference yeah. given, you know, the Just impotence of the current CLP. And, yeah. I mean, if there isn't change of a monumental, uh, you know, to a monumental level, I just, 
I, I really fear for the longevity of the NT. I really do. I, I just see so many bad things happening, most of it being swept under the carpet by the government, and, and the opposition's not strong enough to hold them to account. Yeah, yeah, that's it, Pete. No, I, I share your concerns, mm. and um, that's why we can do what we can do here. When you and I yeah, get exactly. to talk about these issues, and we get to let people know what's going on, and, you know, at the Independent, we get to to dig into this stuff and publish this stuff. Yeah. We've got to let people know, and that's really all we can do, and uh, hope that the right decisions are made at the time. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. It just it does feel, yeah, like it's very uphill still. Like I, I was yeah. just saying to somebody the other day, like just the position we're in now feels like something needs to give that uh, that somebody needs to come in and say, we're going to fix this. We're going to do something. We have a plan and this is how we're going to do it. And, and you know, in whatever case that is, dealing with crime, mm. dealing with corruption, uh, you know, anything. It just we needed somebody, even if it, if it takes the federal government to finally say, OK, we've got to take over on this particular area and we're going to do that. And then it would be like a sigh of relief for everybody. Yeah. But I feel like it's all just piling up and um, and it's really getting depressing, um, you know. Yeah, and, uh, anyway, but look, I get back to this, that this is what my position is in this is to, that I have to report this stuff. I have to keep finding out what's going on so that the public the community knows everything that's going on so we can make informed decisions and that. You know, when they rally and they do stuff like that, I just find that more direct action and that the government, but this government has continued to show that it just does not care. Yeah. Like yeah. you show up and you get 4,000 people, 3,000, whatever it was that first time. And um, yeah, they, they just hid in their offices and locked their doors and nobody did anything. They, they made some bad ideas um, to make it look like they were doing something uh, mm. to fix the crime crisis. And we, we, we haven't seen anything work so yeah it just feels like something's gonna give here soon but in the meantime yeah it's looking pretty bleak mm. the only other question i had was um given that they're rolling out crocs in the cabinet so often uh in parliament because they've got nothing else to talk about <laughs> and uh, uh, the irony as you said before with regards to the press conferences so do they say it was written by a fictitious author <laughs> in a time long, long ago. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like yeah, but, but yeah, it's yeah, it become a an Aesop fable type thing, but unnamed fable. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're they're telling Ben, but they just talk about it, and then they shared. And you know what? I gotta I gotta say this, and I'll preface this, and for this first story that we're talking about, they did kind of inspire me labor this week because what they did yeah. on tuesday was they put out all of the uh i have no idea why they did this i missed this it must have been on tuesday night or something um uh and 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 sorry and the reason why if i miss some of the 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 uh proceedings as they're going on i'll pull up hansard in the morning and i'll get on top of it and i'll find yeah. out what happened that night normally i get called by people if something really crazy happens um, and I'm not there, but anyway, Hansard wasn't up for that day for Tuesday night, which was really weird. Uh, I think it just was late today. Anyway, um, they tabled all of these front pages from the NT news over the years. And it was really yeah. just from that last Giles CLP government from 20, I think it probably started about 2013, 
to 2016 and I was involved in like most of those front pages were my stories. Yeah. And, uh, and I just was like, wow, actually we were really good. The NT news was <laughs> really, really good. I mean, the paper looked beautiful. Those front pages, it cost a dollar 20. I think yeah. it costs like three twenty or something now. Yeah, yeah. And it's it got nothing. It's just, it's just a rag. It's just garbage, but it looks so good back then. And we had so many killer, just political stories. Like Ben and I was just, we were really delivering a lot of good stuff for territorians. I'm trying to do the same at the NT independent with yeah. much more limited resources. But, uh, and I think I achieved that on some fine days, but I, I was reading that and I was thinking, yeah. And a lot of them are good travel scandal stories that yeah. the CLP got in trouble for. <laughs> yes. And then I'm busy. I'm busy. I just happened to look at that and I thought, oh yeah. And I got to, but I'm putting things off and I got to go do this. And then I see uh, the quarterly fuel <laughs> reports for members. Yep. And this is where they've been, um, they, they, they report, how much they've spent on fuel with their government issue fuel cards and their government issued car, all taxpayer funded. And, and, uh, and I've been reading those for nine years, <laughs> every quarter. I've not gotten a story out of it until now. And a lot went off this week <laughs> after nine years, Pete quarters. I love it. Uh, yeah. And then we saw this one. Well, let's get into it because the first story uh, features that little light bulb moment for you this week, Chris, and that is that uh, Labor have secretly altered entitlements to charge taxpayers for personal interstate travel. Let's discuss. Yes, yes, because this is still, this is just kind of the first story and there's more to come on this because this thing, and think like, I'm telling you, I'm busy. I got too many things going on and I'm like, I'm just going to glance at this and then I see something, I'm like, wow. And then, but then it, it starts this chain reaction of things. I think it's going to be very simple. Okay, I'm going to write here to this person in Parliament at the Legislative Assembly. I'll get an answer, and we'll do up a story about how Chancey Pake, now the Attorney General, uh, was charging people, was charging taxpayers uh, for fuel at interstate fuel stops, service stations. Mm. Um, and so this is what I saw. Now I've been looking at these for nine years. This is the first time I've seen this. So I'm looking down and I see, uh, it says like uh, Puma and uh, in Cooper PD. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Extended part of the MT. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it should fit in here. But uh, I'm like, yeah, that ain't in the NT. And then there was some other things like West Richmond. I'm like, I don't know where that is. Surely that's not Melbourne. But no, it's a suburb of Adelaide. And I'm piecing uh -huh. together, okay, what this guy's done, and I see it's now over the holidays, uh, Christmas holidays, is that he's he's driven from Alice Springs to Adelaide and back. And he's charged yeah. taxpayers for all this. Now he's gone through wine country there. Uh, I can't remember offhand the name of that place that he stopped, but I looked it up and it was saying like, oh, it's right next to the Barossa Valley and uh, right. provides yeah, for wine country. So, of course, he was stopping there. Now, we know that he has friends and family all throughout that area. And uh, anyway, he's clearly made a holiday. He left on Boxing Day, it appears. Or maybe it was oh, like yeah. Boxing Day. He was in Cooper PD, so he left on the 24th. That was it. I think he left on Christmas Eve. We could see that he filled up in Alice Springs. Hit the road in 26, he's filling up in, uh, in Cooper PD. So uh, I'm like, okay, this is not, to my recollection, allowed under, you know, the, the entitlements 
uh, drafted by the remuneration tribunal. And now that's that independent body that comes in, right? You can't let politicians decide what their own entitlements are. <laughs> but yet, we'll get to that and what they actually did in this. Well, so, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So we do have an independent remuneration tribunal. Now, you got Sid Sterling on there. We went through, remember, we're paying these clowns like 400 bucks an hour. And these guys, like, that's like a lawyer. Like, these guys would be like $50 an hour lawyers, right? Sid Sterling, Martin, there. I can't remember his first name. Remember, we had them drinking and cheers, toasting. I do, so, those right? guys were doing such a, a cracker job of this that they thought, well, let's bring in someone else. So, they brought in an old mate, Gary Higgins, former leader of the CLP. I think they thought it would balance labor oh, with yeah. Sid Sterling. And anyway, you got a, three old guys on there determining what politicians should be paid. And these other extra entitlements. So, uh, uh, so here we are, right? So this, I, I've never seen this that it said you can use your government issue taxpayer funded fuel card to conduct interstate private personal holiday. Uh, th- th- that's never been a thing. Nobody has thought to do that in the nine years that I've been here, nearly 10 years that I've been here. Well, it'd be common sense that you couldn't do it, right? Well, you would think that the public, that, that if you're a, a responsible elected public official, that you're not yes. going to do stuff like that. Now, Chancey Pake make, makes $292,000 a year as a yes. minister. Now, he also has other benefits on top of that, notwithstanding this stuff. So he gets the government card and he's chosen to do that. So he gets that. And he gets the fuel card. Now, I'm okay with him, even if it's for personal. It does say something like that. They can use the car for personal uh, travel around their electorate or whatever. So, okay. Yeah. So, that's fine. Look, if he's going to the grocery store instead of a, a meeting, a labor branch meeting, party meeting, whatever. I, I don't care. I don't think territorians care. I think when it becomes an issue is when he's driving to Adelaide and back and charging taxpayers to stop off in wine country and to do all this stuff. Now, the other thing we don't know is we can see what the the mileage is on the thing he has to record that and how much the fuel costs. Now, some of these costs uh, seem like other things may have been added on there, and I appreciate the fuel was high there. But, you know, you go into a roadhouse and the bill comes couple, to that. A couple of super-dupers here and there. <laughs> a few souvenirs, I'm thinking, T-shirts, uh <laughs> I've I've been to Cooper PD something I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Look, so what I did was I I sent him questions. Of course, first up, saying you know, was this government travel? Can you do this? They of course didn't respond. Uh, but I also went to the clerk of Parliament. Now this is the, the old guy is gone. Who was uh, what was his name? Tatham. Yep. And that guy was yep. trouble. That guy was trouble. <laughs> anyway, he's gone. Mustard stain on his shirt. That guy was trouble. So anyway, they sent him off back. And so they got this guy in, Matthew Bates. Now, I think this might even, he might have been here a year and a half or more now. Uh, anyway, he did get back to us, which was good because I said, you know, Matthew, I see that, you know, essentially you're responsible as the clerk for approving this, these, this expenditure. Uh, so what happened here? Because to my recollection, to my knowledge, we can't, you know, they can't be charging when they go interstate. So he's saying, well, no, no, no. And this is where it gets complicated, Pete. And we're still, I'm not even going to be able to get to the end of this. Whenever there's three no's, you know, there's trouble. (laughs) And he's saying, well, the, uh, the speaker now has moved to clarify. So he's suggesting that it was never restricted to only the Northern Territory. But it's not specifically stated that you can use your vehicle and the 
and the uh, card interstate. But for personal holiday, like I'd even grant that if there was, uh, you know, there was some labor thing. I don't know. Well, if it was a party thing, it might be problematic. But if some government issue, there's a meeting with the SA government somewhere in SA. Yeah. Okay, fine. But anyway, he's saying, look, the the it, 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 he needed to clarify. Bates, the clerk, is saying Monaghan needed to quote unquote clarify uh this entitlement now this is complete nonsense aka modify yeah so he does so this is true and i'm being kind here where i quote him saying clarify and in the lead i said clarify because no what he's done is he's done a speaker's determination it's called and he's he's tried to and there's issues in this he's tried to insert a whole other schedule into the remuneration tribunal's determination from last year that mm. takes effect January 1 uh, of this year. So there's issues because this guy, Chancey, he's gone and done this before January 1st. Before as well. yeah. Now, but you get into this other issue is just like, and then they're saying, and then, you know, he's even saying today, well, look, it was always on the, the books. The clerk's saying it was always there. He just had to clear. Well, now that like, if it's on the books, it's on the books. I can tell you, I've read the remuneration tribunal determination reports. There's nothing in there saying you can use your fuel card for private holidaying interstate. <laughs> just not in there. Well, you wouldn't have thought so, would you? No. I mean... So he, he makes it so. Now, it seems like. We've got Chancey Paik, and the, the Attorney General is making 292000 somehow approaches the Speaker or the clerk and says, hey, I want a clarification on this. Can I use this card? <laughs> and they said, yeah, sure, just do it. And the other guy who does it, and this is the other thing, Pete, when this comes out on Saturday, people will see another story uh, about the, our good friend D-Ran Young, Oh, yeah. uh, the member for Daly, who likes to threaten people, parliamentarians outside Parliament House before he was elected and now everything's cool. Um, but he also, he spent even more than Chansey and he, a lot of it he left on the 18th of December. Uh, he went to Noosa. Oh, hello. He went to Yamba. Wow. Now, Yamba is known as, like, I think it was called the destination where dream holidays are made or something like this like but now he's from new south wales right like he's not from the nt i don't know how the hell he got elected in there in that electorate either but anyway um so he's taking a trip home and this is all done but see he does it on the 18th a chance he goes on the 24th or something uh we looked at this we got the clerk he sent us the determination from the speaker which is essentially his interpretation of what the RTD is. Now, he is entitled to do that under yeah. Section 16.5, uh, but he determines and he has to clarify. But he, he interprets it to say that, yes, you can use your uh, government fuel card for private holidaying interstate. Uh, it's signed December 14th. Now, there's wow, an issue here. Good. Yeah, <laughs> and whether or not and where that happens, and in fact... I'm just getting some stuff now, and we'll know more about this uh, probably early next week. It looks like they screwed that up because you can't yeah. insert a schedule into uh, this uh, RTD that hasn't taken effect yet, right? So <laughs> yeah, he's well, tried to insert yeah. this himself, which you can't do. You can't do under this whole parliamentary stuff. So 
we're trying to get clarification on that. In fact, those questions are before the clerk right now. What we do know is that they dated it December 14th. I think it was supposed to take effect January 1. These guys have spent some money before that. And uh, and look, I just think overall, the it's going to be hard to explain or make Territorians accept that they're making this much money that they need to charge us one for Chansey to go see his friends all along the way to Adelaide and back and for, for D. Ron Young to go back home to New South Wales, uh, where, you know, th- th- look, that was like what, 2,600 bucks or something for Young. Even the 850 that, that, the Chansey pig charge territorians would love to have their fuel paid. Here's 850 bucks. Here's 2,600 bucks. Go for a drive on us. Go do it. We know that the cost of fuel is high. It's been hurting people, and it's like steady at what one eighty one now. I mean, then we're thinking, oh well, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's yeah. not. That's expensive. Under two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and here these guys are making top dollar, uh, but having to go back and 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 kind of just dig that out of taxpayers one last time to. And look, you know, I don't think I, I think sometimes twelve million dollars when we talk about that magical figure that people like me, don't get even how much money that really looks like, but I'm getting 857 bucks for fuel. I'm getting what that looks like, and yeah, that, yeah. that could go a long yeah. way to a lot of Territorians. 2600 whatever uh, D-Ran Young was, that's crazy. That's like winning a lotto. Like, what if you got a scratch ticket, and they're like, oh, here's 2500 bucks worth of free fuel. Well, you, you'd be considered a winner on that. You'd be pretty happy and pretty lucky to get that. You'd be coming home, look what I got. I won free fuel, 2500 bucks. Yeah, and I mean, the average car to fill up probably, what, 80 or 90 bucks at the moment. And uh, Oh, man, that's, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm paying 100 every time. Okay, I'll say 100 bucks. Yeah. Let, let, let's say you get, I don't know, 500 Ks to a tank. That's uh, half a year's worth of fuel right there. Yeah, look, right? And these guys yeah. have made it. So they went to the speaker, this looks like, and said, Oh, yeah, yeah. Give us this. We want this. So the speaker says, yeah, okay, you guys are my friends. And hey, yeah, I might get some out of it too here. Although he doesn't have yeah. a government card, a few card that we can see. But why Why do that? Why do that to the taxpayer? It's unnecessary. They did Correct. not need to do it. But they thought, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sorry, P. The speaker's determination is not made public. Yeah. So they put this on an intranet site in the Department of Legislative Assembly. So the public never sees this. I never see this as a journalist. I have no yeah. idea that this that this determination, let's call it, as he's calling it, was made. Uh, so how do we how do we provide that scrutiny and accountability of politicians when they're hiding stuff like this? And I, I mean, we we've long ago forgotten about you know Michael Gunner's pledge to restore integrity and accountability <laughs> to government. Yeah. You know, they did this. I went back and I found a story that I did. Uh, when I was at ABC in 2018, and these were other secret changes that they came in with. And that was the, because I was noticing, because I used to get good stories with the CLP about that, talking about those days, where they'd have to put the travel reports out, MLA travel report, where you went, how much it cost, what taxpayers got, what the benefit was for you to go away as the MLA. Uh, mm-hmm. Those, I noticed, started drying up. So I made some inquiries. And well, well, when you believe that in 2018, uh, this government, who was elected to restore integrity and accountability, uh, uh, changed the rules so that they no longer had to report where they went on taxpayer yeah. expense. 
yeah. wherever they traveled, they no longer had to report that. This is another little dirty, underhanded, secretive thing that they've done to give themselves extra benefits at taxpayers' expense. Yeah, look, um, I'm starting to wonder whether uh, Michael Gunner might have suffered from some sort of uh, hurdy-gurdy situation where he got his letters mixed up because I reckon the words destroy and restore are pretty closely aligned, you know? Especially for him. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing too, look, we've said this so many times, it seems like just may as well headbutt a brick wall, get more out of it. The the word perception is the first thing that comes up here. You just look at it and go, okay, let's assume that you were doing the right thing. Let's assume it was all above board. Look at the timing of everything. Look at how you didn't deliver the news. It just, the perception just stinks to high heaven. And as you said, they're, they're earning enough that I think they can afford to pay a couple of grand for their own petrol for their private holidays. And I might also add, Chris, and, you know, Someone, as I said earlier, on a on social media was talking about, well, the election's coming up soon. Just remember the next time you go to the election, the timing of when that trip was taken from Alice Springs to Adelaide and what was happening in Alice Springs at the time when the Attorney General saw it fit yeah. to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the other part here that makes it even more hard to believe that the, just the arrogance, the sheer arrogance of that. He wanted to flee. They talk about bringing people here and cleaning it up, tourism. He fled. He fled Alice Springs when this mm. stuff was going on. Um, yeah, and look, and he ran young. He's got social unrest and water again, and there he yeah. has gone off for a month-long tour uh, of some beautiful resort towns in New South Wales. Yeah, I don't think that the public's going to tolerate that. Now, here's the thing. We've gone to them both and we've said, uh, you got to pay this back. Or are you going to pay this back? And also, mm-hmm. why do you think this is fair to charge taxpayers for your own profit holidays interstate? Uh, of course, they did not respond, as you would guess. But yep. the thing is here on this one is that if this is right, and we seem to now it's Thursday night and I'm, I'm talking about this, and we might have greater clarification on this tomorrow. Like I said, it appears that they may have stuffed this up really badly the way that they've done that. Now, if that is the case, and I have reason to believe it is, uh, then there's an argument to be made that those were unauthorized transactions that they made. If this hadn't Mm. come into effect at that time, uh, I think it's even past that, though. I think they just did not do this properly the way that they were to insert a schedule and make a determination. Uh, Yeah, I would suggest that that argument would be that they pay it all back to taxpayers. And really, look, Pete, I I think at the end of the day, they should anyway, just out of honor and decency. But again, we've been lacking honor and decency here for a long time. (laughs) So don't expect that. And even if they are forced to and it's all screwed up, we'll find out about it eventually. I don't think it'll be a big thing. But I'll tell you, I got to say, Matthew Bates, the clerk, has acted like a professional through this. He's answered my questions. He's responded Mm -hmm. quickly. I know it was sitting days for him, and he's very busy at that point. So I acknowledge that, that he's gotten back to us. And I'm sure he's going to want to get to the bottom of whether or not this was done properly, too, because this does start to affect, uh, again, we get into this, the integrity, the credibility of the institution of the Department of Legislative Assembly, which the public needs to have confidence in. Again, they're the ones who make the laws here. And uh, if you're seeing them screwing up things like this, well, then you have a lack Mm. of confidence in them. So hopefully we get to the bottom of this. But I think ultimately where that ends is they got to pay it back and apologize. Mm. I I don't we'll see that, but I'm going to keep reporting on it. 
I'm pleased to hear that about the uh, clerk. Did you notice on any of the receipts, Chris, whether there was any uh, invoices from the Bates Motel? <laughs> no, I thought you'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I, I know there's a big over 75 audience, so <laughs> I'd throw one out there for them. All right, well, look, um, um, as you say, I'm sure there's going to be uh, more talk about that, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll wait yeah. to hear some more. Yeah, for sure. We'll move on to the next story and um, something we talked about in News Bites. Uh, Motorsport Australia has not issued a permit for cars to compete in the Fink, Resi- the Fink Desert Race to this point. Yeah, that's right, Pete. And look, it's Thursday night, as I just said. And again, they they did put out a statement today, but saying the talks are ongoing and nothing's been finalized yet. I know some other people saying it looks like it is going to go ahead, okay. which, you know... I think that anyway, look, let's get into this because there's a specific reason that headline is like that, that the the Motorsport Australia has not issued permits for cars to compete in the Fink Desert Race following the coronial inquest, which wrapped up recently into the death of Nigel Harris at the 2021 race. Now, he was a spectator, so we know, who was hit by a truck uh, that Mm. was in the race. Um, So the inquest heard that uh, the Fink Desert Race uh, Committee, the organizers of the Fink Desert Race and the organization Motorsport Australia had not acted on any of a scathing safety report's recommendations. Now, this is pretty serious, right? This was done before. They said that there were safety issues here uh, uh, and they just, they did not act on it. So a statement issued uh, on behalf of longtime Fink Desert Race Committee President Anthony Yoffa uh, this was on uh, Wednesday, uh, said that uh, uh, that as a result of evidence presented at the inquest, Motorsport Australia had not yet issued a permit uh, for the car section of the race, and the organizers were discussing the issue with, with Motorsport Australia and the anti-government. Uh, yeah, the, we know he was fatally struck, uh, struck Nigel Harris, uh, by the truck, uh, it just wrapped up that inquest in Alice Springs last week, and the findings have not been handed down. So that's going to take a little while for that. Uh, now, the ABC reported uh, that the council assisting the coroner in that case said that for years, Motorsport Australia and the Fink Committee had been aware of, quote, extreme potential danger for spectators, but, quote, did little to nothing to mitigate the risks. Wow. So as we were saying the other day, this is like, you know, this is serious and we've got to put the safety of people, the Territorians and, and, and others who come here for this because we know it's a big tourist draw card and that's kind of where this is, this gets a, a difficult situation. But look, if, 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 if they haven't, if they haven't done that and they didn't take safety precautions and measures when they should have, you got to wonder what they're doing now. I like yeah. how Motorsport Australia has handled this. They've done this right. And as I was pointing out the other day, completely different than what the Files government would do. <laughs> they've acknowledged that they screwed up. Mm. And they've acknowledged that, uh, quote, recommendations made in that scathing safety report were not acted on until after it was too late. Yep. Now, there's a lot of stuff that this Files government has done that they didn't do right until it was too late. Yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, look, and also the committee, the Fink Desert Race Committee is acknowledging that the impact, you know, what they've done. Um, and also, but they're saying that the impact now is uncertainty. that We don't know what's going to happen here, if this is going to go ahead. Uh, competitors, crews, officials, sponsors, contractors, all uh, uh, in limbo, I guess, right now, just trying to figure out if this is going to go ahead. Uh, they said they would issue another statement on Thursday, which I told you about. So we saw that today. Uh, I thought, okay, did we get an announcement? We quickly looked at that. There was nothing in there. It just said that discussions are ongoing with the government, Motorsport Australia, and the Fink Desert Race Committee uh, to see whether or not uh, they would move ahead with it this year, which would be, I guess, June 9th to 12th if it goes ahead. Uh, the bike section right now will go ahead. Apparently, Motorcycling Australia has confirmed its support for the bike section. Uh, yeah, so that's just kind of where that is right now. And uh, we'll see. We should know more probably Friday. We'll, we'll maybe get something. Yeah, right. We'll get the official call either way. You never really know with these things. Um, if you're outside of the circle, just exactly how much goes into it. Like, yeah. I hadn't even, hadn't even struck me that they'd get approvals from two different um organizing bodies but i suppose it makes sense yeah yeah and look but it does and and i know that that some people are saying it's going ahead um you know you better be wheeling out a lot of you know backing up that decision if you're going to move ahead with it that everything's done right um you know you don't want the nanny state stuff like i i get that and especially there where this is a fun thing but got people who've been injured it seems like on an annual basis to me, and you have this guy who was killed in 2021. You've got other yeah. people who've been seriously injured in that. Um, and and the fact that the organizers have come out and said, man, man we didn't follow the recommendations, so we should have. That's what I don't get. Yeah, that doesn't you gotta, Yeah, and, and so if they get the green light, well, who's overseeing it? And they better have a pretty robust you know, <laughs> procedure in place for yeah. how that's going to be carried out because we can't. Correct. You can't go ahead with it and then have another incident this year. You're going to do it. You do it right, and everybody's safe. So yeah. it's, it's a big call here, whatever they do, because if they when we want to see it go ahead, because it's good for Central Australia. Absolutely. Yeah, but, absolutely. But it's got to be done right. So, Correct. Every time I think of these types of events and these types of things, and, of course, the, the poor gentleman that lost his life, uh, you know, which is why this is currently not getting a permit, I go back to thinking about that cannonball run that they ran all those years ago, and yeah. you know, you just you just think, yeah, you're right. We don't want the nanny state, and we want the territory to still enjoy its sort of, uh, you know, wildness and unbridled in, uh, enjoyment that it gets from these types of things. But we also don't want people getting killed by just spectating. Yeah, yeah, and that's got to be paramount, like we said. So. Yeah, and you know the cannonball run was scanned after that, and um, yes, you know, but that was reason. yeah, and that was a, that was a weird thing. Anyway, this one is a little more stable than that, and yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't want to see this cancel for sure. But um, but they're going to do something now, and in fact, how they do that before the coroner's recommendations come down, which would be which would, I think, you know, be used to set up that kind of framework for that robust procedure to ensure that. How they're doing that before the findings are down and exactly what the coroner might recommend for changes. That's, you know, that's going to be a little questionable there on how they're going to do that. But anyway, look, we do want to see it go, but everybody's going to be safe. 
Correct. And having done no recommendations, maybe just, you know, start with two or three or four to get started. Something yeah, well, good. well, the scathing report that they ignored, <laughs> you can start doing those recommendations. Absolutely. But now they've got more coming. That's going to hopefully yeah, make more on more. the way. Yeah, make it safer, hopefully. Yeah. All right, look, let's move on to the next story. This is one that we talked uh, a fair bit about, but there's, there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, a labor MLA offers a face full of capsicum spray to Deputy CLP leader. Wasn't, Drew, that, a, <laughs> debate. Debate. Wasn't that a song from the yes. 90s, a face full of capsicum? <laughs> and he was quoted as saying, I guess the... Uh, question came up about the, the rules and regulations that are coming in and and the Labor MLA has kindly offered uh, to spray a face full of capsicum spray to the deputy CLP leader saying, I'll do it. Yeah. So it's some sort of challenge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he was showing. Yeah, he's, he's a tough guy. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll tell you, I'll do it. I'm Don't not afraid. Me. Yeah, I'll do it now. I'll take you outside right now. It was uh, it was one of the dumbest performances in Parliament I've seen in a while. And that's um, saying something. Yeah, and you know, like the the shameful, disgraceful stuff. But this is just idiotic. This is just an idiot getting up. And you know, and I say that on here. Remember, and Leon would always chastise me after Sam Chris, Why do you call them idiots? This is why yeah. I call them idiots, <laughs> Leon, because this guy gets up. Now he's a nobody backbencher. He gets up. He's in debate. Now, the whole debate is ridiculous anyway, right? Mm. Like I've told you this, they're debating whether or not to give security guards on buses pepper yep. spray to spray people on buses, like on buses. Yeah, yep. This isn't even like we thought like, oh, okay, well, they would do it at the interchange where that's where all the stuff happens and you'd be spraying yep. people. Yep. No, no. They want people riding on buses with cabs. Right. They're going to jump on board ninja style with Captain Spray. <laughs> well, no, but they've been riding on there, right? Like they've been. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is fraught with issues. Um, so, anyway, they're debating this. Um, CLP raised some issues about it. Potter, this is where I kind of perked uh, <laughs> up on it. He said, uh, uh, I heard him say, no one's going to be sprayed who doesn't deserve to be sprayed. And I'm like, how can you guarantee that on a confined it's, it's an bus? outlandish statement. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what is this ridiculousness? I'm working on other things from okay. And then he says, uh, yeah, yeah. He says, you can't get behind this leader of the opposition. And I know you're smirking over there. He said, look, I'll tell you, I've been sprayed and I've sprayed people. Let me tell you, not lethal. You will survive. You will recover. It's not that hard to do the aftercare, member for Nelson. If you like, we can go outside. I'll spray you and give you the aftercare. All right, I'll do it. I've done it before, and I'm happy to do it for you. <laughs> this idiot said, yeah. "I'm I'm picturing did did uh, the member Brent Potter sit out for the day and get replaced by?" Dirty Harry or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I don't understand what he's trying to do here in this. Like, is this is this Labor's new approach here? Yeah, uh, yeah. Where we'll pepper spray anybody. We don't care. We'll kick you in the nuts too. We don't care. <laughs> like, you know, it was just ridiculous. And 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 the thing is about this too, right? So the first question there too, besides the brashness of it and, and stupidity, is under what circumstances did he spray somebody 
And under what circumstances was he sprayed before? It, it, it was the first question that came to mind. And as I said on um, News Bites, I was picturing some sort of a rave party that had involved capsicum spray and a whole lot of people shirtless going crazy. <laughs> well, that's spraying each other and then offering aftercare. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quote unquote, aftercare. Yeah, look, hey, that's better than what we came up with. We thought either one, he's not wearing pants in that situation where he's sprayed in the face because <laughs> right. he's doing something weird and he deserved it. Or two, that like what he said, you know, like he's got this, I said he has this frat boy kind of air about him, energy about him. And, and what he said, he's probably done his own jackass video where he sprayed himself in the face when he was in <laughs> university or something. Um yeah, look, we may never know. We may never know the yeah. answer to this. He didn't explain. He was too busy threatening others. He was reminded, though, at that point by CLP Bill member Bill Yan, uh, who is, of course, a former use of force instructor with corrections. Uh, now, Bill Yan reminded uh, a Potter that himself and member for Blaine Mark Turner, a former cop, would actually be the only people in Parliament trained to use capsicum spray uh, in their previous jobs. Now, I think Potter was uh, in the fighting reserves or something. Like, right. you know, he was like scrubbing the deck or something. He had some sort of military yeah. thing, but um, he didn't explain that. He didn't say anything or give us a reason why. And we don't have any reason to believe he would have said, I, look, I've sprayed people in the military during training, something like that. He didn't say that. He said, no, it seemed a lot more people. liberal than that. Yeah, and it, it is more like, uh, yeah, and I'll do it to you too because I don't care. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, why, like, it wasn't, you know, uh, that threatening. I don't think that uh, uh, that uh, Jordan Malley was worried about his safety at any yeah. point, but it was just a stupid thing to say, and it was just, it just shows a real act. Like the, you know, the file should have been talking to him after and said, "Pull your head in, jackass." Yeah, yeah. Because this is not how you behave in Parliament. That's not how you how you conduct debates. Uh, you don't threaten to take people outside and spray them in the face with peppers. I mean, how did how would that have to be explained you to threaten somebody? To take them down. <laughs> yeah. How is that? How would anybody have to be told that? But apparently, Brent yeah. be told that. Now, again, we get into this issue that this all came up after the tragic stabbing death of Declan Laverty, and the government was quick to try and, well, it took them a while, and then they started throwing things out. Here's what we're going to do, and we're going to uh, teach the, what was it, jujitsu or something to these guys as well, or verbal jujitsu. Yeah. That was a verbal jujitsu to de-escalate de situation through words. Um and then, and then the weapons. Remember, we're going to make a bail tougher for these weapons. And it was medieval. It was if you were a medieval yeah, yeah. knight or a ninja, you were going away. You weren't getting bail. You were in trouble. <laughs> yeah, they were like throwing stairs, a catapult. It was crazy. Yeah. But it, like uh, yeah. a spear wasn't on there. A broken bottle wasn't on there. Yeah, yeah. it was weird, yeah. weird stuff that was just done to look good window dressing as they say and and it didn't do anything so this was another one though was that we're going to let <laughs> security guards on buses have pepper spray i still i can't believe that um and so and so this is what they were debating because they need to change the law to allow these guys to be spraying people on the bus now i don't know yeah. what's going to happen now what came out of that debate and of course you know the clp brought up their issues with it um, and, and Manly, before he was uh, invited to go outside for the face full of capsicum spray, that, uh, that 
yeah, that the, the, they were concerned, one, with how uh, the details, all the details for how this legislation would change and how this, this would work uh, were not provided. Uh, they feared unintended consequences, they said, for other passengers when the spray is administered on board a bus. Again, honestly, they're debating this. I, uh, it also raised the prospect, the CLP did, of, uh, of lawsuits being brought against the government over possible misuse. Uh, yeah, we've still not seen a copy of those guidelines, and neither has the Northern Territory, Mr. Malley said before Potter's speech. Will they potentially be exposing children, pensioners, people with a disability to OC spray on buses? And that's when, you know, Potter went on about the aftercare, saying that, um, you know, it's easy. Everyone can do it. He said that they'll install wash stations at bus interchanges. Again, I'm not sure that that's a real thing. That Like, he, this yeah. guy just shoots his mouth off. Like we said, he announced a police review <laughs> unilaterally by himself one day. Yeah, he's popped up a fair bit recently, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, she's going to be telling him, put your head in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be announcing the reviews around here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But files, but you know, and he's, um, he's her pick, right? Yeah. So you remember that story back then. The, so the party actually had people coming up for pre-selection for Fannie Bay when Gunnar finally bailed. And, uh, and, and there were people in the party for a long time who had made commitments and commitments were made too. Um, they were all overlooked. Files came in, captain's pick, one of Brent Potter, now, mm-hmm. that's the other reason. Maybe if he had kept his LinkedIn profile up, we would understand <laughs> in what capacity he had used pepper spray or been pepper sprayed. But remember, as soon as he was pre-selected, they shut it down. <laughs> and we know about his connections. And we know what happened there with that, with uh, AAI, uh, Amphibian Aerospace Industries, and this whole choke of a of an idea that, that the economy's in the end, he's going to be saved by a, a plane that was last built in 1961. But anyway, that's, and, you and know, arrived in the territory on the back of a truck. You will flat that truck from where in New South Wales, uh, man, like you can't make this stuff up. Either. Like, I don't know, man. You I simply can't. No. And then, but here's the other thing. Here's why he got picked though, was that, uh, he's also Files' chief of staff's brother-in-law. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're <laughs> keep it in house. Yeah. Well, look, she wanted to control him. She needed that. Um, we'll see, though. Like this guy, like he's saying some pretty brash things here, aside from this stupidity. Uh, he said other things in Parliament. He's where been people out there, yeah. Yeah, have taken note and said, oh, what's going on here? This isn't authorized what this guy's saying. <laughs> and like I said, but she's still not telling him to pull his head in. So, um, cause he still continues to do it. Uh, now look, and that gets back into that speculation of what's going on in that, in that, uh, yeah. in that caucus, in those caucus meetings. And the word is that, uh, you know, a lot of them are unhappy with Foz's leadership and that, that, that knife shock to hear that Chris. Yeah. The knives are coming out before too long, I would suggest. And probably before the end of the year, maybe the end of the year. Anyway, we'll see. Um, anyway, yeah, back into that story just to end on that the uh lawler got up because she's the expert on pepper spray too and said that uh the guards will be using a gel based spray <laughs> that would not spray an entire area it's more direct she said yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it's direct in the face she also said this training for guards had started but that the directions of use had not been finalized which is usually what you do if you're running the police mm. college the NT police college 
that training, start it without even having the guidelines and policies in place, but start the training anyway. So that's what she's done. Um, and they'll get a refreshing, <laughs> refresher training course every 12 months based on best practices and nationally recognized training. This bill is about community safety and safety of workers. Well, we'll see about that. There's, there'll be issues. Yeah. Two points on that. One, uh, all right, so the wash bays for the aftercare will be in, introduced to uh, bus interchanges. So <laughs> I don't know. He claimed that, but he's got no authority to, to make that claim. But, yes, let's go with what he said. The Brentwater aftercare station, let's call it. <laughs> <laughs> let's assume that's correct. So someone gets um, pepper sprayed in Stewart Park, what, you got to wait to Casuarina before you get the outfit? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, yeah, I mean, whoops. I guess that's it. But, like, why did you keep making the stops? <laughs> it's like, it just reminds me of that story, the Kramer story on Seinfeld, where he's got the toe and the thing, and he's got to get to the hospital, and somebody knocks yeah. up the bus driver, so he's driving, and the guy's fighting him, and he's fighting the guy off while he's in. He's like, you know, and then at the next stop, you know, the next stop, I finally kicked him off. And Jerry says, well, you kept making the stops? <laughs> he said, well, people kept ringing the bell. <laughs> and like, that's what's going on here. That's what this reminds me of. And people does. be ringing the bell and it's all right, we better stop. Meanwhile, somebody, an innocent person, an elderly person is there, yeah. like their eyes are bleeding. And well, I got to make yeah. every stop, man. We'll make it to the Brent Potter aftercare station later. But these people still want to get up. It's crazy. Like, you'd have to leave the whole bus. Like, once you discharge oh, that, everybody would be apt to take it off in, in reality here. I was at a party a few years ago, right, in Darwin. Oh, God, and did you get pepper spray? I, <laughs> I don't exactly know what happened, but what I do know is <laughs> I was great. sitting out, out the front, and the barbecue was going, everyone was having a great old time chatting and talking and, you know, drinking, eating, whatever. And all of a sudden, everybody around that area was really struggling to breathe and we all started coughing. Mm. I was like, what is going on? Somebody had discharged pepper spray in the backyard and that was, you know, 20, 30 meters away from where we were. And until that sort of blew through, we couldn't stop coughing. So I don't care about your gel based or whatever it is. (laughs) If you're on a, if you're on a bus, that stuff is toxic as hell, man. Yeah. So, It's going to incapacitate everybody. Correct. And, I mean, what a stupid comment to say, nobody that doesn't deserve it won't get it. I mean, we we see all the time issues with, Mm. you know, security guards, police, et cetera, et cetera, who may not set out to do the wrong thing, but things happen where the wrong person often gets it. Yeah. And. Oh, uh, man, uh, this, well, this is just this is just a, a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, no, that will. That will. Without, that's guaranteed. I like how you told the story about how you felt pepper spray before. I think that's very important that you mm. do that, unlike Brent Potter, who didn't explain. You know, and I haven't. I, I don't know the pepper spray, that, that spraying stuff. Um, yeah. Tear gas I've felt before, but as a journalist, yeah. I was covering protests, and when that happened, and I was like in... Canada and the, uh, you know, the GA protests there in the early yep, 2000s. Yep. And yep. that that stuff was being used a lot. And that stuff will knock you out real good and you got to get yeah, the hell yeah. out of there. Um, yeah, but like, I, but I understand that. But the pepper spray, yeah, I, I don't understand why they would just give it to these people, the guards to shoot on there. 
I don't understand why this guy, this elected official, would tell somebody that he wants to spray him in the face with it. It's yeah. oh man, it is like a Seinfeld episode here. It it is, and I come back to the police academy, and we know how that worked out last time with the people spraying themselves in the face, and they couldn't get the nozzles right. So yeah. what? We're, we're going to yeah, give it to security guards who are way less trained than police officers. We're, we're not allowed to talk about that, Pete. Like, you, you know, oh, we're right. not allowed to talk about that. No, I don't know okay. why nobody's talking about that, but that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. There is a, there is the, the results. Remember Jamie Chalker said, oh, he was sending it for the special chemical and it was, pepper. Yeah. it was their own thing, but he thought it was something in water. Anyway, we got to, we still, that should be made public at some point i think some people have that information i'd like to see that because it does show yeah. that they pepper sprayed themselves it came back and uh yeah and then they yeah. accused people wrongfully of using some chemical against them and yeah, yeah, but yeah. That, that's this stuff's fraud is dangerous it's a weapon absolutely. right it's a weapon absolutely yeah so don't just be carelessly discharging it no. on buses and anyway they're trying to assure us none of these guys will be trained although we don't really know how we're going to train them or what the rules should be right now but they're already being trained yeah yeah exactly well fingers crossed well it'll go through because they've got the numbers so it won't well be yeah and sorry it did yeah the the afternoon that uh, story came out. They were still debating it, and they had to go to lunch and then question time. Later that day, they did pass it. So yes, it will oh, happen. And it'll be, um, okay. Yeah. Oh well. So, uh, but any bus travelers uh, listening, uh, you can expect to be pepper sprayed sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the guy, or the guy next to you, anyway. <laughs> and you're gonna smell something. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. All right, look, let's move to the next story. This is one that's going to uh, frustrate and infuriate anybody who likes to travel in and out of the Territory because uh, Darwin Airport upgrades are likely to cause delays and disruptions uh, to, the local con- to the local economy, Chris. Yeah. Uh, so this is that, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this before, that we knew this was coming. Uh, unfortunately, even as far back as we reported it, I think sometime last year that this was going to happen, we still don't really know the extent of this. And the airport development group and uh, Australian Defense, uh, Department of Defense, don't, they're not on the same page here of exactly what's going to happen. Now, uh, Defense uh, has this joint user agreement. And of course, they would be the ones overseeing this and they want to do it for RAF base and for, yeah, and just those those joint kind of taxiways that they have. Um, but they've been unable to explain exactly what the extent of it will be. Now, we know it's going to take a long time. They have said it will take, they need to do these particular works in the dry season. So you're looking at uh, two dry seasons that they're going to need to get this done. Um, so of course our busy time of year here, we're getting a lot of tourists here in Darwin. We need them here. That's happening. Now the other part of this, yeah, yeah. Uh, now the other part of this is that, uh, and I don't know if like the fence, wherever they're based, uh, who the spokesperson was, doesn't really get Darwin, but said, and I think that was supposed to appease us. Well, you know, it will be, but the bulk of the work will be carried out at night. So, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Except that it's a, we know we're it's some high-ranking official in Canberra that's coming <laughs> out. <with> that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know uh, <clears throat> the airport's a little busy at night here in Darwin. Maybe yeah. the busiest point Peak of the day. Hours. Mm. So anyway, yeah, uh, <clears throat> we're not getting any 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 
sense of, of how this will go now. They've said the fence, just the air for the airfield asphalt works had to be done in dry weather. The works are being staged to minimize disruption to civilian and military aircraft operations, which sounds like a pretty bland. That's about all the fence will say now. Uh, yeah. yeah, we got into that where tourism and chair Michael Bridge said the fence is yet to release its full scope of works. And schedule for the upgrades, uh, which has caused concerns about commercial airline delays happening. We have no definitive position at this time. Uh, he said, but once the final methods of works plan comes out, we'll respond and do our best to reduce the impacts of disruptions. Uh, yeah, they're in the process of establishing, of reestablishing airline networks and avia- aviation links. So we can provide certainty and people can plan around the works. Glenn Hingley, top end tourism chief executive said, and of course the airport development group said they were unable to speculate on the impact of passenger numbers while these works are carried out or how commercial flights will be impacted completely. So, Yeah, the passenger numbers have been impacted by crime. Um, mm-hmm. So don't worry about that. If only yeah. there was some sort of... Um, I don't know, amphibious alternative. Um, <laughs> they could avoid the runways completely. <laughs> Callum Bay oh, can become man. the new airport. Yeah. Well, there you go, man. Like, this is the kind of thinking that needs to happen here. I know. Except I that know. you would maybe build a, a newer type of amphibian aircraft. But anyway, look, by 2052... Yeah. We'll be doing that. This AAI will be off the ground, we'll quite be literally. By, by then, we'll have the uh, working paper back on whether it's going to be profitable or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I, I think that we're saying something like they're not really going to be operational until 2030 or something. Um, yeah. What happened to the $40 billion economy? That's gone. This well, yeah. Be, wasn't this the linchpin behind it? <laughs> this and Sun Cable. <laughs> and the prawn farm <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and what else oh, Jesus man I've lost count everything that Gunner touted has turned to uh, dust so. all we've done is build a bloody good grandstand everything else is costing us money uh, I guess you're right nothing coming that. in yeah yeah. even a shade structure couldn't do that right but uh, yeah we got the grandstand uh, right yep. just uh, the ends don't justify the means on that one <laughs> Uh, well, you know, look, it, it, it provides comfort for 30 or 40 people, so it, it does what it does. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I DJed a gig there last year, Chris. It's bloody nice. That's a great setup. Yeah, no, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. It yeah, should yeah. be for what we paid for it, yeah. unwillingly, unwittingly. And, yeah, uh, no, yeah. It's, it's really good. The uh, only problem is there was your photo on the front door, just in case you tried <laughs> to I think I'd be allowed in there now, but uh, I just don't care. You know, like a... <laughs> I remember Brett Dixon was banning me and Owen, and I and Owen cared. I was like, man, I, I'm not yeah. going there. But hadn't I'm, attended anyway. So. I'd rather sit on my porch yeah. and drink beer than, than yeah, exactly. there. That's yeah. it. All right. Look, let's uh, move to the next story. And, uh, well, an interesting one regarding the ICAC. Um, the government has released a proposed reforms to the Anti-Corruption Act, uh, Seeking a kinder, gentler ICAC. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's really the best way to kind of sum it up here. Uh, yeah, look, now this is the, the Shanahan uh, report. Um, now, you look, we were just talking about this last week when we were talking about yeah, we the were. ICAC finding no evidence the ministers interfered 
uh, in the Rolf stuff, um, which again, remember he found no evidence. Um, not that everyone's cleared anyway. Uh, yeah. So, and we, we talked about this Shanahan review. Now this is longtime chief executive of Department of Attorney General and Justice. And and I just need to to, to explain this, that, that to remind people when you repeat that in uh, whatever year it was a couple of years ago, at least maybe three years ago, Gunner Gunner's the one who who wanted this review done. And I just find that funny. If you look back at all of this and you're like, wow, we're doing this review into the ICAC Act because Michael Gunner wanted it. A guy who resigned last year after delivering a budget, uh, and then we found out that he was subject to an investigation <laughs> there. Uh, and that was for the travel words thing. There might be so much more, but I remember Robin Landley came forward and said, well, I find the timing of this a little weird, considering he's uh, yeah under investigation just for that. We know now he was under investigation for allegations of political interference in the Rolf Church. So this guy, like, why a politician is allowed, especially a guy like Michael Gunner, to kind of call this thing. So what he does is he doesn't explain it to anybody. There's no terms of reference. Now, this mm-hmm. could have been done publicly, and the CLP called for that, uh, if you recall, for the last couple of years, saying, we'll do it as a committee, like a parliamentary committee, and then it's out in the open, and people can come and give submissions, and they can do this. No, 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 they rejected that. They said the submissions can be done uh, anonymously. And, and of course this was spun as we're protecting everybody, you know, and you can see, you can be open and honest with this. Well, what about these senior public servants who may have also left their roles in the past 12 months and what they wanted to see, right? Like it's, it's problematic to me that you would allow people who worked with the man carrying out the review. And this is Shanahan. I'm not alleging anything went wrong, or, or, or something bad happened here. I'm just suggesting the look of this perception that you're letting a public servant deal with other public servants who are giving their input, who he might rank higher than other people, and he gets to have final say. Now, he was not appointed through a, a public process either. Gunner handpicked him to do this. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not smirching his character, but it's not at all. No, it doesn't look good to be doing it's it like perception, that. Perception, Chris, perception. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't look good to be doing that. Remember when the guy investigated himself? Perception, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, this now has finally come out. Now we've been asking for this, whereas it's taken forever uh, to the point that it 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 outlasted Gunner. Gunner had to leave before this stuff could be announced. (laughs) Um, And so we've gone through this quickly. Well, I mean, we've gone through it. It was kind of quick thrown up and it's not uh it hasn't passed yet it's still at the proposal stage here but what we're looking at is essentially that a kinder gentler icac in that these proposed changes include a direction that the commissioner quote conduct examinations and public inquiries in a non-adversarial manner and not investigate certain misconduct allegations so a non-adversarial manner right I, I have no idea what the hell they're getting at here. I guess like the the ICAC hurt Michael Gunner's feelings, or like hurt some it. public servants' feelings, you can or ask maybe questions, but don't ask them rudely. <laughs> yeah, maybe we call this Jason's Law. <laughs> Jason 
walls there at the NT News. Remember, uh, he wrote a whole thing about how his feelings were hurt real bad because the <laughs> iCat called them in and, and he didn't know what to do and he wasn't allowed to tell anyone. And it's like, well, you just be a man here and uh, deal with your issues. Anyway, they, they, they're saying now non-adversarial, conduct examinations and public inquiries in a non-adversarial manner. Um, yeah, okay, whatever that's going to mean. <laughs> I don't know how you even practically do that. Uh, the proposed amendments would also prevent the ICAC from publicly naming those found to have engaged in certain misconduct. Which, yeah, uh, I found that weird. Just recently here, as well as dictating the commissioner's priorities by forbidding the investigation of lesser offenses of misconduct or unsatisfactory conduct, unless under certain conditions, as well as other changes. So, uh, yeah, so why they would, would have to prioritize? I mean, he already has the ability to do that. He should be doing yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then we've seen some things where we're questioning, we're like, we know some of the high level corruption that's been referred to him and why yeah. he's going after a public servant, let's say, who has uh, lied about their chartered accountant qualifications. <laughs> I mean, look, this is a dodgy job application. Yeah, it's a real problem. And it's, a, it's an issue. And as he says, it's probably widespread and rife in the public service. Absolutely. But, We've got some real presence stuff here, and that's that's good. He's done that, but we've we've got some other yeah. things on our plate here. Um, anyway, so this this uh, review, as we said, the terms of reference uh, never released. The draft bill released on Monday also proposed strengthening. There were some things here that were good: whistleblower protections, uh, which would see protections still provided if the ICAC refers the matter to another entity. That's actually pretty big. Because yep. we saw what was happening before, and we knew this, and, and we've seen this, and people have reported this, that they've been subject to this. They refer something to the ICAC. They say, this is corruption. He says, I don't think so. I'm just going <laughs> to send it back to the department that was accused of the, of yeah. the corruption. And you're by, the way, who, by the way, who said that again? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that person was outed, and it was like, what the hell yeah. are you guys doing? Yeah. So hopefully that corrects that. That's not a bad thing. Um, the draft bill would force the office of the ICAC yeah, to prioritize uh, that and could send it to Ombudsman or, or Anti-Discrimination Commission, whatever things he gets in here. Uh, I believe there were stricter penalties as well for not complying with, um, uh, with an investigation. There's already problems for that, but an initial examination, uh, if you don't, you comply with that now, and that's yeah. where they just call you up and say, hey, you're not the subject of an investigation, but we're doing preliminary work. Can you give us something? If you refuse that, it looks like that could be a 12-month <laughs> jail term for that. Cause oh, people, really? Yeah. Yeah, so uh -huh. some of it got a little a little stricter. It's, it's not about you, but, but if you don't give us the info we want, it will be about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, some of this, uh, uh, yeah, it gets a little stricter for those things, but it's how they relate to the people here. There, there was one, the amendments uh, also proposed that those ordered to remain silent about an investigation, so we know that, you know, when you get yeah, that, yeah, that form those. saying, yeah, never time. say anything. Well, now you're allowed not just your lawyer, you can contact your spiritual advisor. That's healthy. And you can yep. tell them and that the ICAC's interactions with parties to an investigation, yeah, avoid being adversarial. Uh, can a spiritual advisor be a friendly journalist? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. As, uh, as long as when you tell him, he says, oh, Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so just going through some of this other stuff here. Uh, yeah, the, the other thing that the Riches wanted, uh, he's long argued that the act prevents him from publicly releasing investigation reports. Um, now, of yeah. course, Fleming, the previous ICAC, did find a way around that by publishing what he called public statement about investigations that the office finalized, which provided all pertinent details of the investigation. Um, so the proposed amendments here would see the ICAC permitted to publish investigation reports, but here's the thing, only if they omit the names of any person of quote, any person in relation to a matter that amounts to no more than misconduct or unsatisfactory conduct. So if you get yeah. done for corruption, I guess maybe you could be named here, but if it's uh, misconduct or unsatisfactory conduct, no, 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 you can never name this yeah, person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless the ICAC determines that the misconduct relates to, quote, suspicion of systemic misconduct. Well, let me huh. tell you, the, the, the whole place is full of systemic misconduct <laughs> uh, or other exceptional circumstances. So that lies on his judgment then, because it's based on whether he has a suspicion or not. Yeah, and we kind of see how they want to play this now. And, and yeah, they're not into naming people. I think that that's, look, yeah, you got to balance a lot of things in doing that. But when there are findings, I think the public have a right to know, especially if this person was in a high-level position um, yeah. where corruption's happened and that it's shaken. Again, we get back to this, the confidence of the institutions. I think yeah. the way to restore that is to weed out these people and say, here's who did it. They're yep. gone, and this is what's going to happen. Um, uh, yeah, we 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 just haven't seen that yet, and we see no appetite on riches to to do it like that either. And I think that's mm. the best opportunity here. Um, anyway, he wouldn't let us know what he thought of it. He said that he needed time. We did go to riches and say, "What do you think of these proposals?" Yeah. And he said, "Not anymore time." Uh, fair enough. Okay. Well, you go over it. I went back to him though, and I said, "Hey." Uh, the thing that's bothering me about this is it smells a little bad that, that the government isn't releasing who gave submissions. I said, how about uh, how about this? How about you give us your submission so we yeah. know what the ICAC wanted? Is that fair? And uh, no, apparently that's not fair. The ICAC said, no, I gave my submission to Shanahan and to the chief minister and to the opposition leader. And if none of them release it, then I won't release it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to know what the ICAC wanted to see changed. How's the ICAC hiding behind this? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I think he should be up front with people. Here's what I want to see. But this is yeah, all politics. And is this why? This is why I'm saying it smells bad that they're not releasing what the submissions are, who they're from, what, what, what's been discussed. This is just stuff yeah. that's been drafted. Um, some of it poorly, I think. Uh, but anyway, look, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, public can comment on these proposed amendments and they don't have to worry about their names. Fantastic. Ever. We shall. Coming out, yeah, until June 12th. Uh, so you can go on that story on our site and at the bottom there's a link to it, uh, to the to the government site and you can make comment on it. But, oh, yeah. uh, it's also a comment yeah. section at the bottom of the page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can feel free to come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll park that and uh, we'll find out down the track whether we uh, see who made the sub some of the submissions or not. And uh, move to the next story, which I was really interested to see that um, the NT Veterans Strategy has been released after years and years of neglect. Finally, Chris. 
Yes, that is right. So hmm, it did seem like they were shamed into doing this. I think this came out two days uh-huh. after the budget when, uh, you know, some of these uh, peak bodies for veterans were saying that the NT has completely yeah, ignored yeah. them. Now, you, you remember yeah. that Kirby is the minister in charge of this, and I believe he was off. Uh, he was missing somewhere. They didn't actually know who the minister was for Veterans mm-hmm. Affairs last year sometime when something came up. Right. Anyway, he's uh, he's come out now after being shamed and humiliated uh, Publicly, after the budget contained nothing, these groups said, uh, they did hastily release this veteran strategy, which focuses on employment, health, and recognition, will serve as a guide for upcoming government policies. They came programs, initiatives to guarantee the delivery of positive outcomes, Jesus, for the entry veterans <laughs> community, the government said in a statement. Um uh, yeah, so the strategy aims to transform the NT into an attractive and supportive location for veterans, current and ex-serving, and their families to live and work. Now, yeah, all right, that's great to say. The government also committed to recruiting at least 20 veterans annually to be employed across the NT public service, as well as increasing jobs for spouses and partners of serving personnel uh, that may include the transfer of entitlements from other jurisdictions. Uh, yeah, it all comes after veterans criticized the government last week for failing veterans in its budget, with a peak body suggesting the NT lags far behind the states in financially supporting them. Veterans have once again been overlooked in the budget. They said, if we don't appear in the budget, we're unknown, we're a nobody. Australian Council of Veterans President Adam Giuliani mm-hmm. told ABC following the release of the budget. Um, yeah, he had identified veteran concessions uh, to provide better financial stability, pride prioritization of job opportunities and support for the Scott Palmer Center, which assists homeless veterans and veterans around the brink of financial and emotional breakdown uh, and need support. So, yeah, we know we know that that's important. We know that we have uh, veterans here and it did feel like they were being ignored, as they were saying. Um, So they've come up with this strategy. Now, they say they've been addressing this, reviewing it for a while, for over a year, I think. yeah, for the past 12 months now, Veterans Affairs Minister Paul Kirby said that, that the development of the strategy has been a key focus of this government for over the past, for more than the past 12 months. Uh, however, a statement from last November said the government was then reviewing and assessing different options. So, yeah, it's taken a while. Uh now, here's what he, uh, anyway, here in the statement, he said, we believe the NT Defense Veterans Strategy, so this is their strategy, provides a vision and objectives to unite the veteran community. And we look forward to continuing to work collaboratively with veterans and their families to implement the strategy, Kirby said on Monday. Right. In the statement now, <laughs> here's what he said today. I heard him in the question time. And I think it was Dorothy Dixon. I think somebody got to tell us about the great veteran strategy minister. And he said, oh, well, you know, I got to thank the team. I mean, we've got an exceptional team. Kirby <laughs> said, you got to see Kirby. Oh, yeah. talk in the circle? Yeah, no, no, he's saying the veterans team, the veterans team, this is amazing. They all deserve a pat on the back. And he's like, well, actually, it's only one guy. Me. (laughs) He said, and he named the guy and he said, everybody knows him. And he's been getting uh, pats on the back for this strategy being uh, implemented and that it's going to they've got one guy. And why Kirby started saying. Oh, the whole team should just, they're such a great team. And then he just stops, cut himself off and said, well, it's actually only one guy. Um, 
said, and you wonder if the veterans. You know, there's no I in team. Well, actually, there is. Yeah. No, well, it's this guy who's, who's who, I can't remember his name now. Kirby said it in uh, in Parliament, and he said, you know, and this guy's been providing services. This one man has provi- been providing services, and yeah. so no wonder they the veterans feel that they've yeah, been overlooked. Correct. Other places yeah. do fund multiple employees and staff yeah, to help yeah. people. Uh, this one, he just. He just let that loose in Parliament today, saying, "Man, well, it's only been one person doing this." So, my God, doing a superhuman job on his own. He's a genius too, man. He—you got to watch him in Parliament sometime. He just—he's uh, <laughs> a real wordsmith. He's—you uh, yeah, yeah. just got to see him in action sometime. <laughs> just on the um, first guy that quoted there, Giuliani. Just yeah. uh, legally have to say no relation. <laughs> with his with his namesake, who's uh, currently in a, a lot of hot water in the United States, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not related. Yeah, yeah, I think he spells it slightly differently or something. <laughs> he doesn't have. Uh, they're actually, they're actually head. brothers, but smart man to change the spelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good idea. Uh, all right. Well, look, this potentially might be a good story. This next one, Chris, with the. Uh, Darwin Catherine $45 million big battery facility is entering the testing phase. Yeah, that's right. I guess getting a little closer here to uh, to coming online. This has been, again, talked about for a long time. Uh, It's expected that when it's operational, we'll replace some of the gas-fired generation at Channel Island. Uh, So it has entered its pre-commissioning phase after the successful installation of 192 batteries to stockpile power for the facility. Uh, Yeah, once in operation, it'll be a 35 uh, MVA battery, Darwin to Catherine, battery energy storage system. It's called BESS, (laughs) B-E-S-S, anticipated to reduce the NT's carbon emissions by 58,000 tons annually. Uh, what that will do with the offsets, <laughs> I don't know, from what's going on at Beedaloo there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this uh, battery energy storage system uh, will reduce the gas turbine spinning and reduce the number of fossil fuels being burnt. Selena Yubo said she is now the Minister for Renewables and Energy, which I was not aware of. I don't remember her saying anything <laughs> about this before, So, but apparently that happened last year. Uh, when operational, the big battery is expected to support system security for about 150,000 homes between Darwin and Catherine, and it will provide territorians with greater system reliability and cleaner green energy. Uh, yeah, so BESS will deliver cost savings of around $9.8 million per year, the government says, paying for itself in about five years from connection to the grid. I think everybody's got concerns about that <laughs> in yeah. terms of, you know, what we've seen here with, um, yep. yeah, with that in the past solar and, uh, and the government's own policies getting in the way of this stuff. I think there's a, a lot of concern around that, but uh, look, if they can, if they can pull this off and they seem to understand that it is important, um, it could start late this year. The commissioning of the battery will start late this year and is projected to be fully commissioned and online next year. So uh, Gerhard Lobsher from Territory Generation, the CEO there, he said, look, we recognize commissioning is a complex and time-intensive process 
And we're working closely with all stakeholders to support the fastest possible progression of these activities. The successful installation of all batteries and progression to pre-commissioning is a significant step forward for the DK best. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hitachi's involved here. They've, uh, yeah, set up something with AC, DC power converter. We'll be yep. able to charge and discharge the battery modules for testing before their connection to the switch room. Uh, yes. I was telling my son about the ACDC the other day. I'm not talking about the uh, shredding tunes, but uh, <laughs> because, of course, the when the power is uh, initially created from the yeah. sun, it's created as a DC current, and yep. so it has to be switched to AC, alternating current, which is what we use, you know, in the average home. But... Um, there's still a quite is quite a process involved with doing that. So Hitachi is one of the big suppliers yeah. of quality switches. Yeah, absolutely. So they're involved here. Yeah, um, the f- facility using that Hitachi. Look, this is a guy from Hitachi, uh, managing director Bernard Norton, um, said that that will ensure the full application of solar energy generation and less reliance on fossil fuels across the network, so they're pretty confident in their product, as you are. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. look, it's good to see anything where they start to finally get on this renewables thing because it, it seems to me that they've just been lagging behind. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about yeah. this, but we don't see a lot of action. Again, this is something we thought it was important um, uh, that the public know where it's at now because it's kind of gone quiet for a while. So here Correct. it is. We are getting closer. Uh, yeah. We do want to see this kind of stuff happening. So we will promote that. We'll, you know, do a story. We're not promoting it, but we'll do a story about it so people know. Yeah, yeah. But get moving on it quicker. We're telling the government. Yeah, because I still think we've got some of those um, solar farms that are built but not connected to the grid. That's what they're saying, right? Like, this. Yeah. what the hell is going on I can't on believe here? it's still it's, lagging. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why, yeah, they've got to figure this out here. And they got to understand it is a priority for, for a lot of people. And, Correct. you know, these guys and they're pitching their middle arm petrochemicals project and pretending it isn't. And uh, and then at the same time, you know, yeah, just um, dragging their heels on this renewable energy stuff, which is supposed to be, you know, it's what people want here. And, and, and they, they get up and say, Oh, this is the future. This is what we're going to do. Well, we got to do the gas stuff in the meantime. But they're not be seeming to show yeah, that yeah. same commitment towards renewables as they are. Correct. This is to the fossil this, fuel. This stuff's the future. Meanwhile, we're creating 22% of the uh, national carbon emissions through one project in the Beetaloo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they still have no idea about that. And there were some misleading headlines, I think, this week about that. But of course, uh, Scrimjaw had come out and, and raised the issue that we were talking about before in terms of yep. the federal government. Well, I think she was raising water issues too. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that this anti-government just is not on the same page with with the federal government. And yeah. uh, I would suggest this. Like The Guardian had a story today too, an interesting one about middle arm and how uh, FOI documents show that the that the that the federal labor government knew what they were getting there and that they pitched it. Now they've got to deal with the greens and they've yeah, they're talking yeah. about renewable energy. And so they're saying, well, why are you giving $1.5 billion to the territory to build this thing in middle arm when you know this isn't where we want to go? This isn't what the focus yeah. and the agenda should be. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and the anti-government, I don't know. 
where they get lost in all of this. I guess they thought Sun Cable was going to be it. And look, Sun Cable's going to do something and it probably yeah. will for the territory, which would be a good thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Whether or not they're going to be trucking it off to, uh, or piping it off to Singapore is another thing. But mm. uh, the fact that that's, yeah, seeming like it, it, it'll get resolved, whoever's going to run it and it's going to be here and something will happen. But yeah, yeah. Again, the government—it's the, the government just fell into that one, though, didn't they? Like, yeah, this they isn't did. their plan. <laughs> they didn't Absolutely do anything. Did. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's see if that gets off the ground. And yes, let's hope that some of these renewable things that have been talked about, and you know, in the case of the solar farms, they're already in place, but they're just not operational. That's what we're told, anyway. Yeah. That so can happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely, people. All right, Chris, just hold there for a sec. And now. It's time for the job files, thanks to no one in particular. And congratulations to our friends at the NT News who uh, I feel quite special, Chris, because, of course, last week's job files job of the week mm-hmm. was turned into a major article in the NT News this week. Howard <laughs> 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 Springs is getting a full-time manager. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, yeah. Humble it's... beginnings, my friend. Humble beginnings. That's it. We, we get to the bottom of that last week. And then I think um, our people ran a, a thing uh, for the job section, and they put it up as the job of the day on Friday. And it had like 30 shares or something and 100 and yeah. something. So people just were like outraged yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that that would happen. So, well, good for the NT News. They were a week late to the story, but yeah. uh, for them. Yeah, we just we just made it uh, job status. We weren't sure it was new status, but <laughs> obviously uh, they upgraded it for us. Well, yeah, yeah. We pat on the back to territory story. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then they they missed some other parts about that. That the actual bill is like I think somewhere over a million dollars already, and they're yeah, still yeah. spending two hundred thousand. And yeah. I don't think they're even counting the hundred and eighty a year salary for this new oh, role. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah look, that's just gonna keep simmering and festering there i think for files and she's still like this week in parliament being asked about it by uh, and you know just about her not being up front with territorians and claiming we weren't there about everything <laughs> yeah but well about the howard springs yeah. uh facility and and she just kept playing the race card on that saying well you guys oh, are racist yeah. because you wouldn't put them anywhere and these are people who are survivors of floods and you would put them nowhere and it's they didn't even say that and yeah it's no just one like, said be that. up front nobody no said that they that. needed to go somewhere just explain what happened when they got to this place and still no one's blaming you for doing it but now everybody hates your guts because you you just will not address it front yeah. <laughs> anyway, do we have a better job this week? <laughs> Mate, we've got a rip snorter this week. You'll love yeah. it. The Office of the Chief Minister is advertising for an executive assistant slash diary <laughs> minister to Minister Pake. Ah, there you yes, go. Yeah. This yep, is someone right. to oversee his fuel Over- card usage. Oversee travel, correct. Yeah, yeah. So they say, uh, Chancy, uh, you might not want to charge taxpayers for that. That was a private holiday. Yeah. Don't do that. This is and what I'm saying. He he must be missing somebody because we were thinking that that like why isn't his yeah. own staff saying like you know what don't do this man like <laughs> it's not a good idea to charge taxpayers. Um, so that's great. Now what is it called? The diary manager. Why, for why aren't the staff saying now? See these three lines here, right? The western border, the eastern border, <laughs> the southern border, and if you hit the beach, you've gone too far. Right? <laughs> Don't go outside those lines with your yeah. fuel car. 
Yeah, and if you do, just pay for it yourself. That's yeah, all you need to do. Exactly. Yeah, but, uh, anyway, so well, but, yeah, we're looking for an diet. executive uh, assistant. It's an executive position, assistant oh, position. My God, spit it out. Mm-hmm. That provides high-level administrative support to the minister and other senior staff. Key re- responsibilities include managing the minister's diary to ensure smooth and professional operation and coordination. <laughs> Good luck with that. I love it. Friends. A range of administrative support activities, uh, booking and managing all travel arrangements for the minister and really? office staff to ensure <laughs> travel plans are exe- executed with minimal error. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. That is oh, excellent. Uh, so, look, yeah, he's got someone to blame already now. Oh, I didn't fill yeah. the role when my person yeah. left. <laughs> so that role is uh, available for application uh, until the 24th of May. You can email recruitmentocm at nt.gov.au. No phone number, no name given, and interestingly, Chris, most importantly, no salary advertised. Yeah. It's big bucks. Yep, yep, yep. And look, we've been talking about this stuff kind of after last week and the ICAC's report into the political interference or allegations of that and the role thing. And, and uh, one of the things that came up in that, and remember, I just I just happened to glance at it that night. I didn't have much time the last time we did the podcast. Um, but what we saw in there was that there were meetings held between these politicians and, and senior police, well, Chalker, and, uh, and things were said and things were carried out. Uh, by ministerial advisors. And that's how we put it, something like that. There were a number of ministerial advisors involved. Uh, and I just remember reading things in their state reports that there's an issue with ministerial advisors like this, right? They're, they're in a gray area here. So sometimes the ICAC Act and stuff might not apply to them. Right. It's, 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 it's questionable whether or not they're actually public servants or if they're working for the party, it's also government. You know uh, what I mean? And yeah, so the yeah. ministerial advisors are really this, 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 yeah, this great position that, that a lot of stuff we've seen um, interstate, I'm talking, get carried out by ministerial advisors who get away with it because, you know, they're carrying out the minister's orders. We know that. They're not doing this on their own. They're doing it for the minister. But yeah. then they're not being held accountable, and the minister isn't being held accountable because he didn't actually say it or do it. It was the ministerial advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah, so that's like a nightmare of a job, I would think, if you have any ethics. Um, <laughs> but again, that, that that won't matter when I guess you're not advertising how much you're paying, which would be yeah. a lot of money. Um, and so, a lot of people will probably do that. I think that they just running out of like people to do these kind of things now and we're going to see more screw-ups like this where they're they're breaching kind of guidelines and not doing things properly because eh, who who wants to really do a job like that honestly Pete? we've seen those diary managers jobs so many times now so yeah i don't know i mean i don't know whether i'm just oversimplifying it or you know, I run my own diary, Chris. I'm pretty sure you do the same. Yeah, <laughs> and understand they've got a fair bit on their plates, but um, yeah, it 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 seems like a um, seems like a role that somebody already in house would be well, right? Because you, to, you're a minister, you got a chief of staff, you've got 
all kinds of people, media advisors, yep. again, those people who will do things and get away with it. Um, <laughs> that's really how you've just got to view this government and what they're doing. So, yeah, I'm a little cynical about this job because that's what I think it'll do. But anyway, look, Chancey, God bless him. He's he, he had to go to Adelaide there for that. Apparently, the rumors are, and we have in the story, that uh, that's where he's looking to run. And I think it's like federally. He wants to run federally, but out of South right. Australia, not the NT. Okay. I think a lot of people will be happy to to pay for his <laughs> fuel one way. <laughs> I think we'll all put a pot around here. We'll pay for his fuel one way. And that's yeah. it, Chancey. You good luck in SA. Buddy. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see if anything more comes of that down the track. Yes, most certainly will. All right, Chris. I'll catch you next week. Great. Thanks, Pete. We'll see you next week. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Weekends with Walshy back again next week on the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition. We will catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. For more episodes, go to all your favourite podcasting platforms or head to territorystory.com.